We all have our own idea and expectations as to what love is. But what does the Bible say about love? Christ kind of love is very different than what we see portrayed in the movies or in romance novels. And it is a basic necessity for the Christian life, especially in our marriages. If we want to have that Christ-centered, loving marriage that we desire, then we must learn what God says about love, what it is and what it isn't. Today, we're taking a look at the love chapter in Scripture and learning how to love our husbands God's way. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting to do life God's way but are unsure how or what that even looks like? Do you sometimes fear that you're doing this whole wife and mom thing all wrong and want to know how to do it right? Or do you want to stop worrying all the time and learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Bible study teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to find biblical answers to life's challenging questions in His Word, to know what His promises are for you, how to apply them to your life, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day, and follow the amazing plan that God has for you, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. What we see in regards to love in our society is really more about lust than it is love. And many have developed their own personal definition of love and their own particular way as to how they want someone to love them. Our focus tends to be more about us and how can we love ourselves and not so much on how to love others. As Christian wives, many of us have read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, or what is commonly referred to as the love chapter. You know, that one that is love is patient, love is kind, etc., we may have even have this verse displayed somewhere in our home. It may be on something pretty on the wall or posted on our refrigerator or on our desk. But do we really know what all of that means? What love is and what it isn't? And do we practice that kind of love in our marriages? God is love and he created the love relationship between a husband and a wife. And if we want to have that kind of a loving marriage, then we must learn what God says about love. So let's begin by reading his description of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Many, if not all, of what love isn't is what we naturally do as a part of our sinful nature. It's not only what the world teaches us, but it's how we start out this life. As young children, we see something and we want it, and the focus is all on us. 
It's about making sure that we get ours in seeing that we are recognized and appreciated for our efforts and that they don't go unnoticed. We're going to take a look at each one of the things that God says that love is not. And as we do, I challenge you to do a little self-evaluation of the areas that you may need to work on, but be careful not to beat yourself up. We all have areas that we need to work on. We all have areas that we need to change, to change from that sinful nature and to become more like Christ. But the first step is to recognize what those areas are. So let's look at what love isn't. The first one is love does not envy. It does not compare or become envious of others, always making sure that we have our fair share, brooding or being angry when others are doing well or receiving some kind of a blessing while we are struggling and having difficult times. In our marriages, this would be always wanting things to be fair between you and your husband, making sure that if he gets something, you get something too, and it's just as good, if not better, than what he has. Recently, my husband and I were considering purchasing new watches. And of course, they have various kinds and they have various features. And the more features that you have, the more expensive that they can be. And since my husband takes blood pressure medication and he needs something a little bit different, you know, they have watches that will actually help him with that and be able to help take his blood pressure and to see what is happening um, in his body at that time. That's not something that I need. So for me to say, oh, well, I want to have the same kind of watch you do because that's the more expensive one and that's the cool one and I want to be able to have it fair. Well, then that's me being envious of what he has and wanting to make sure that it's fair and spending the money on something that I don't even really need just to make sure that we're equal. So we are not to be comparing or keeping any kind of a score with our husbands or for anyone else for that matter. The second one is love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, meaning that we are not to be boastful in our accomplishments or how we have been blessed, sharing with others about what we have achieved or our material possessions that we have acquired for the purpose of receiving praise or to make them envious of us. This would be wanting to make ourselves look better than our husbands, either to him or to others that are around us, that we are better than our spouse in some way, maybe more athletic or a better cook or whatever it might be. This is often portrayed in putting our husbands down so that we can make ourselves look better. The next one is that love does not behave rudely. To not be rude or uncaring to those around us just because we can, because we think that you know, we're their wife or we're their mom. And so they have to love us no matter what. We are generally our worst at those that we are closest to. In the public eye, we're always kind and considerate. But then when we're at home, we let our guard down and we become a little bit more of ourselves and maybe more of ourselves than we should be. And trust me, they see it. They see how you treat your friends and those that you see at church and then how you come home and you treat them. It is very obvious in some cases. Not that we're always perfect or that we won't lose it every now and again, but we should always try to be kind and considerate and loving and not rude towards our families. And then the next one is that it does not seek its own. 
that our main priority is the is not the care about ourselves and what we are going to get in return for our efforts. We've all heard someone say, well, what am I getting out of this? Or what about me? This is ingrained from us in birth, like I had talked about. And recently I was talking to my granddaughter about what we were going to do for Papa for Father's Day. And the plan was to have the family come over and to help us with um, redoing, not really redoing, but fixing up our RV. And we all want to have it done because we want to be able to go camping together. But it's a bit overwhelming, all the things that need to be taken care of on it. So I thought it would be nice if I had the family come over and help Papa with it and kind of, you know, get that jump start and get things done. Well, one of my granddaughters said, well, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, um, I was a bit surprised by her response, but really it's a response that a lot of us think of. We're just not quite bold enough or, um, let's see, I think that we're more conscious in the fact that we know not to say anything and to not say it out loud. Fortunately, the plan for the day was also included good food and dessert, and that was enough for her to, uh, to be able to want to help her papa. But stop and think for a minute. Are you generally more concerned with yourself and the way that you are being treated or what you're getting out of this, or are you more focused on how you are treating others? The next one is that love is not provoked, meaning that it's not irritable or resentful. This is the effect that can happen when we practice what love isn't in our marriages. If we're seeking what we want all the time and our needs, but not getting them, and then we become irritable, walking around stewing most of the time. If we're envious of our husbands because of who they are or what they have or the fact that they get to go out and work all day and that we're staying at home or we're feeling that there's some kind of a double standard there then we become resentful and every little difference that is different between the two of you becomes a problem. The next one is that love thinks no evil. It doesn't assume that others' intentions towards us are from an evil nature, that they're trying to hurt us or to get back at us in some way. We have a tendency to assume people's motives. We say things like, oh, I know why they did that. They did that to hurt me, or they did that because I did this and they're trying to get back at me, or, you know, whatever the case may be. In reality, that's probably not the situation at all. My husband has this quote that he said years ago, and I don't know where he got it from, but I've thought about it often over the years as I've had controversy or difficulties with other people. And it says, do not attribute to malice what can be accomplished through ignorance. Oftentimes, with the way that people hurt us or what they say or what they do, it has nothing to do with malice and them trying to get back at us for anything. It really has a lot more to do with just, they did a stupid thing. Like we do stupid things with no ill intention behind it. And they've done the same. It also wishes for no evil to come to others, to not be vengeful. This is another way of the world that has absolutely no place in a marriage. When we are wronged, sinned against, or hurt by our husbands in some way, we are not to seek any kind of revenge or to get back at them or to, you know, not speak to them or to hold them in in some kind of punishment or whatever the case may be, but we're not to be vengeful in trying to hurt them. 
In Romans 12, 17 through 21, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we are vengeful, particularly vengeful towards our husbands, then we are allowing ourselves to be overcome by that evil rather than overcoming evil with good. And besides, ladies, God is so much better at this than we are. He is mighty and he is sovereign. And so if there is any kind of punishment or retribution to be done for sin, then let him administer it. Let him be the one to do it. And then lastly, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in the pain of others or in thinking that they deserved it. This would be an I told you so kind of attitude or having little or no compassion when your husband messes up and he's paying the consequences for it. Not that we need to help them avoid the consequences of their actions or to take the punishment for them. Sometimes God does spank us and we need that spanking in order to be able to learn and to change our lives. But what we are not to do is to revel in their suffering, be uncaring, or to not be compassionate towards them as their suffering. All of these things is what the Bible tells us that love is not. Were you a bit convicted of any of them? Anywhere you thought, oh, I think I sometimes do that, or maybe even, oh, wow, I do that all the time. Don't let it slip by thinking, oh, it's no big deal, but take note of it. And we're going to discuss how to change it and how to be different in the future in a few minutes. But first, I want us to take a look at scripture as to what love is so we can see the difference. And as we go over this, continue to do some of that self-evaluation here, writing down or taking note as to what it is that you do do that's right, that what love is so that you can build upon it or areas where maybe you need to start working on. The first one that we read in scripture as to what love is, is that love suffers long. This is a hard one because we don't like suffering. When trials and difficulties come, we want them to be over as quickly as possible. But it's through these challenges that we learn to become more like Christ and we learn to become closer to him. We learn to be better wives and to have better marriages in today's society, many are eager to throw in the towel at the first sign of difficulties in their marriage, or when they feel that their husband is changing and moving away from them or moving away from the faith. In 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you may have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. No marriage is without its challenges and its struggles that need to be worked through, and some are certainly more difficult than others. But we are not to give up. 
with the help and strength of Christ, we can persevere. We're told that, yes, you are going to have trials, but those trials are going to teach you. Those trials are going to make the genuineness of your faith increased, which is much more precious than gold, that you may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is our goal. And yes, those struggles and things that we go through in marriage, that is a part of the process. But we are to stick together through thick and thin, to be committed to our husbands and to our marriages. Even when one of us messes up or when life becomes difficult and things are not going the way that you had hoped, to be committed to working it out, forgiving if need be, and continuing to love him through it. Years ago, during a very difficult struggle in our marriage, I had to make a choice. I had to choose whether I was going to stick it out and work on it and choose to love my husband and to be committed to the marriage, or if I was going to give up and maybe even walk away. At the time, it honestly seemed easier to just give up and throw in the towel. And I'd like to say that I chose to stay with my husband and to honor God um, because it's the marriage that he had put together and that that was the right thing to, to do. But honestly, I think I did that partly for that reason, but also because I could see like way on farther down the road, if I let things continue to go in the direction that they were going, then there was a possibility of separation and divorce and dealing with kids and divorce and all of that stuff that happens. And I was like, I don't think I want to go there. I think that's probably a more difficult road, longer, you know, longer time than it is to deal with whatever, whatever it is that we have going on right now and that we need to fix. And thankfully, that was the choice that I made. And through God and his help, he got us through those challenges and he put our marriage together and it's stronger now and better because of what we had learned about each other, what we had learned about not giving up, but seeing it through. I can honestly tell you that I have never been sorry for the decision that I made and actually quite thankful that God got us through together and for the blessed marriage that I have today. So the next one is that love is kind. We are to be kind and tender-hearted towards our husbands, showing them the same grace and mercy that Jesus shows us. Be kind in our speech and our actions, not ridiculing them or putting them down, but lifting them up and noticing his positive qualities, thanking him for those things and what he does for your family and encouraging him, being respectful. This is what your husband desires from you, even more than intimacy. In scripture, it tells us that a man is to love his wife and the wife is to respect her husband. And if you want more information on this, then there is episode eight that you can go and listen to, and it's all about respecting your husband. So I recommend that you listen to that one. Then the next one is love rejoices in the truth. To always be truthful and honest with your husband, not having secrets or hiding things behind his back, not even the little white lies about the purchases that he wouldn't really appreciate or wouldn't approve of, not sharing things with friends and then telling them, oh, but don't tell my husband I told you. We need to keep ourselves from these things and not be doing them and having secrets. 
We need to not have secrets from our husbands that causes a division and puts up walls between us. And it causes a lack of trust between the two of you. The enemy will surely use this and he will build a wedge between you and your husband and cause problems in your marriage. If you are putting up these walls by keeping secrets or keeping boundaries that do not need to be there in all things, be honest and be trustworthy. In Proverbs 31, 11, where it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman, it says the heart of the husband trust her, so he will have no lack of gain. In his heart, he knows that there is no doubt that he can trust his wife and that she always has what's best for, for him and his interest. So be someone that your husband can count on to be honest with him. And this is also a part of being respectful to him. And then love bears all things. This is to be willing to do whatever it takes without sinning, of course, to protect your marriage and to help your husband when and where needed, whatever it is that he needs you to be there for him for. We are called to bear one another's burdens, to support and encourage our husbands, even when they mess up and to continue to care for them and to love them when the chips are down, when they are struggling in some way, when they have some kind of an illness or they're injured, but to always be there for them, to be dependable and someone that they can count on when, when they need it. And then love believes all things. It believes in God. It believes in the truth of his word and believe in your husband. Yes, maybe he's messed up in the past and he's disappointed you, but God does work in our hearts and he does change us and he does make us more like him. So don't automatically think that your husband's going to disappoint you again. Instead, give him the benefit of the doubt. Pray for God to work in his heart and to make him more like Christ. In Mark 9, 23, it says, Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So believe in Christ, believe in what Christ can do in your marriage, in your husband and in your relationship with him. Show love to your husband and be encouraging to him, believing in him, especially when he's struggling in some way. Maybe he's not believing in himself or he sees that others don't believe in him. Be his cheerleader. And then love hopes all things. Have hope in your future together. As believers, we can have hope even when things seem like, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how things are going to be possible, but we can still have hope because we serve a mighty God who is sovereign, someone who has control over everything. So you may be struggling right now. It may be that finances are tight or you're not getting along very well with your husband, but have hope that it will not always be this way that better days are coming down the road and that with Christ, all things are possible. And Christ tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Pray that promise, that future and that hope that Christ has for you. Believe in that. Know that that is coming at some point if you continue to follow him and to follow his word. We can love our husbands with encouraging hope when we have a firm foundation and our hope in Christ, because this is where our hope comes from. And then the last one 
is that love endures all things to persevere. Ladies, life isn't easy and neither are our marriages, especially in the beginning. But with God, we can persevere. And not only that, but we can learn to have the loving marriage that God has designed for us. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it takes both you and your husband to learn how to be more like Christ individually. And I know your husband may not be there right now. He may not be the one who is trying to seek Christ and trying to be more like him, but that's okay. You need to worry about you and start the process for you and your relationship with Christ because your relationship with Christ does not depend on your husband's. It depends on you. And it depends on what you're going to do to learn to be more like Christ and to behave in the way that Christ has called you to. And as I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And as you both learn to be the godly wife and the godly husband that you have become or have been called to be, then you will begin to have that Christ-centered marriage that you are looking for. This is all a part of the sanctification process and every believer has to go through it and it takes time and it takes work to get there, but it is so, so worth it when you do. Did you notice that in God's description of love, there was no mention of affection, no talk of sweeping her off her feet or letting each other know how they love each other with words or flowers or gifts or with time spent together? This is because all that stuff that we see in movies or that we read about in romance novels is just that. It's romance. It's not love. And don't get me wrong. There's definitely a place in marriage for a romance and every marriage needs a certain amount of romance in it, but it's not what sustains a marriage. It's not the foundation love that is needed to make a marriage work. The kind of love that we just went over and what love is, that is the love that sustains a marriage and what a marriage is all about. So as we went through this, were there areas that you said, oh yes, I do that. That's something that a way that I love my husband, or that's something that I could really start doing and really start working on. Recognizing the areas that we need to work on. This is only the first step. Because now we need to learn to live out our faith and how we're going to apply God's word and allow him to change our hearts and how we love our husbands. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a piece of paper. It can be a lined paper, blank paper, whatever it is, but grab a piece of paper. And then I want you to draw a line down the middle from the top of the page to the bottom of the page so that you make two columns. At the top of the first column, I want you to write in big, bold letters, put off. And then in the top of the second column, in the same big, bold letters, I want you to write put on. In the put off column, we're going to write down all the things that you noted about yourself of what love isn't that you need to change. And so let me remind you what they are. And as I go over them, if you're feeling a bit convicted in thinking that these are some areas that I need to work on, then write them down in that first column. So the first one of what love isn't was love does not envy and that it doesn't compare or become envious of others. The second one is love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. 
So it's not being boastful in our accomplishments or in how we have been blessed or how we are maybe better at our better than our husbands at something or putting him down to make ourselves look better. The next one is that love does not behave rudely, that we are to be just as kind with our family at home as we are with those that we see in public. And then the next one is that love does not seek its own, caring more about ourselves and what's happening with us than we do for others, or what can I get out of this for me? And then love is not provoked that we are not irritable towards others or resentful of our husbands in any way. And then love thinks no evil, not assuming that others have evil intentions towards us or that we should be vengeful towards them or to get back at them in some way. And then the last one, love does not rejoice in iniquity, not feeling a sense of satisfaction when others are in pain, thinking, well, they deserved it, so I'm glad that they're getting it. So any of those that you have thought of that you think that you need to work on, be sure that you have put them down in that column that says put off, because these are the things that we want to stop doing, that we want to put off and put out of our lives. But then in the column that says put on, we're going to write down what love is and those things that we see that we are maybe being a little bit convicted or just know that we can actively work on in making the love of our marriage more Christ-like. So the first one is love suffers long, that we're in it for the long haul and choosing to love our husbands through thick and thin, no matter what happens. That love is kind, always showing grace and mercy to your husband the way that Christ shows it to you, being kind in speech, and our actions and being respectful. That love rejoices in truth, to always be honest and a trustworthy wife. And that love bears all things, that we bear one another's burdens and that we are there by our husband's side when they need us, when they mess up or are injured or need help in some way, but that we are always there lifting them up and helping them. And then that love believes all things, that we believe in God, that we believe in the truth of his word, and therefore we can believe in our husbands. And that love hopes all things. Have hope in your future together, having hope because we serve a mighty God that loves us and that he's sovereign and that we can put our hope in Christ. Lastly, that love endures all things that we persevere, remembering that marriage isn't easy, but with God, we can become more like Christ and have that loving marriage that God has designed for us if we are not willing to give up. As I said before, none of us start out this way. None of us start out knowing or loving others the way that we should or the way that Christ loved us. We all have, have to learn to change our sinful ways and our desires and to love our husbands the way that God has called us to. And we can do this because we are a new creation in Christ. That's what makes the difference. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The way that we do this, the way that we change, is by putting off the old and working to 
put on the new, the new patterns and the new habits in our life and what God teaches us. And because God has made us a new creation, we can put those old things away. We can change. In Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24, it tells us, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you, putting on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is why I had you write down in the columns what you need to put off and what you need to put on. If we want to love our husbands the way that God has called us to, then we need to put off those old things of what love is not. And then we need to replace them with the things that God tells us of what love is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to one, pray over this paper and what it is that you need to put off and what it is that you need to put on. And I want you to take the paper and put it somewhere where you can see it daily. Maybe it's going to be on your bathroom mirror. Maybe it's on the refrigerator. Maybe it's with your paperwork for, you know, when you have your prayer time or your quiet time, but put it somewhere where you can be reminded of these things, because I can tell you the enemy is going to fight against you on this. You are doing the right thing and working towards your marriage. And so the enemy is going to try to interfere with that. And you need to be in prayer and you need to have these things in front of you so that you can be reminded of what love is and how Christ wants you to love your husband. So before I leave you today, I want to pray with you over this. Dear Heavenly Father, O precious Lord, you are a mighty God that we praise and we thank because you teach us how to love. You are our example of what love is. Lord, you love us with just this enduring love with grace and mercy, and you never give up on us. And you're always encouraging us and you're always lifting us up and you bear all things with us. And Lord, all of those things that we went through today as to what love is, those are all the ways that you love us. And help us, Lord, help us to be able to learn those things. Help us to be able to put those things on as wives, as moms, and help us to be able to love our husbands and to love our children in the same way. I pray, Lord, that you would bind up the enemy that would work against this, Lord, and that would feed us lies and know we have to look out for ourselves. And if we don't look out for ourselves, then who's going to look out for us? But Lord, we know that we can trust in you. We can have that hope in you. We know that you look out for us. You care for us. We don't need to worry about tomorrow because you have taken care of it already. All we need to do is to worry about today. How are we going to love our husbands today the way that you love us? What are the things that we need to put on and to put off? Lord, I pray for each and every one of these women, Lord, that you would be with them and that you would give them boldness and strength, Lord, to trust in you and to follow your word, to put aside their concerns and their fears, Lord, and to just wholly trust in doing their marriages your way and the way that you have designed it to be and the way that you have called it to be and that they will trust in you that you will work in their marriages as you work in them and make them more like you. 
Lord, I pray for each and every one of these marriages, that you would work in them, that you would heal the ones that are broken, that you would encourage the ones that need encouragement, Lord, that you would bring peace and stability, and that you would draw the husbands and wives together and make it a Christ-centered marriage and what you have called it to be. And Lord, you can do this. You have the mighty power and the will and the desire, Lord, that all marriages would be like this. And Lord, I just thank you so much for that. I thank you for your precious word. And I just ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today. And know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.